And and also, I mean, you know, there is being in a fraternity is like attractive to women. I don't know why that is, but you know, it's def- they definitely like. Well, it's a certain to that. kind of woman, right? It's not all women. Sure. Hashtag. Yeah. Not all women. Shut up and sit down. But yeah, it's been pretty hot here. Uh, it was like ninety-five for a week, and now it's this week back is nice. To eighty, yeah, yeah, back to eighty. Something. Very nice at night, especially. Yeah, there's breeze, oh. nice breezes. Well, we've descended to talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. What I've started to realize uh, in in blogging every week, and just doing this stuff in general, putting website, stuff out Isaac weekly. Simpson.co. Yes, yes. Which I don't think you have to say that in the beginning anymore. I've gotten rid of the intros. Okay, good, good. I've stopped doing them entirely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what I've realized is when you publish esoteric shit about things that you want to talk about, yeah. people really don't pay much attention to it. It's only when really content creation, successful content creation, is about staying extremely topical. Is about publishing stuff that on the internet. Yeah, on the yeah. internet. It's about throwing stuff right in with the sea of opinion that's happening right now. And if you're late, yeah, or if you're doing something off topic, yeah, uh, very rarely does it does it work. And sometimes it does when you get something really good, but for the most part, you know, as we've learned with our Trump episode, um, and I've learned over and over with my blog. It's if you publish something about something topical that's happening in the world, it will get a lot more attention, right? Than just publishing something really interesting, you know? Yeah, but is that is that meaningful attention that you're getting? Is that just assuming that just because you're getting a lot of clicks, that's meaningful? Because you're not selling advertising, yeah, right? Yeah, you're so not converting. Anything. Are you having? Does it really matter? Well, for or, me, the goal of my blog, which my agent helps me with, is to sell books, right? Yeah. That's the whole point. To sell philosophy. So, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we do get a trickle of sales coming in pretty consistently. So, you know, I think you hope that that is coming from people who discover a blog post and they click on your site and then they click and they explore around a little bit and then they find your book and they order it, right? Right. So... So I the, think there's a commercial intent. Yeah, I think uh you know, the more eyes you get on stuff the better, you know. Yeah. What is the So what was the purpose? Nothing. I'm just saying you know, we're talking about the weather, which oh. is something that you know, maybe people are like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, that's true. We have an all-weather episode. Can we just talk about the weather not to... The weather in LA. That's something that my dad's family they're like these old waspy Chicago people. Yeah. They talk about the weather 
it's always the, the beginning of our conversations when it's with my grandmother, whether it's with my uncle, it's always starts with like a nice 10 minute discussion of, of the weather. I feel like that's because it's an easy thing for people to kind of immediately have rapport about yeah. because everybody <laughs> likes, dislikes it when it's too hot. Everybody dislikes it when it's too cold. There's not, yeah. there's not really a 50, 50 split on those things. Well, yeah. And in Chicago, it's constantly like shifting drastically. So yeah. it's always like, Oh, yeah, we've got a real. It's a real nice day today. It's yeah. just gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I guess that's why people kind of lead with that. Yeah, yeah. I just I would like to live in a world where you just didn't have to have small talk with people. Yeah, like it would be okay just to not talk to someone. Just because you're in proximity to each other doesn't mean that you should have to have a conversation. That's do you the world feel when you're in an elevator with somebody? Do you feel the pressure to start talking? No, I would rather not speak, and I don't have any pressure to speak. I think it's weird to talk to people that you don't know. So you don't feel that like tenseness in silence. No, I love it. I like to be in silence all the time. In fact, I get annoyed when people start a conversation with me in the elevator. Uh one time I had a book that I was reading because I used to have a job where I had hour-long lunch breaks and I liked to go read a book for an hour. And it was nice to not look at the internet and sit outside and read. And, I, you know, I'd switch between like heavy stuff and light stuff because that was just my pattern. So I had like a Stephen King book or something light. And this woman's like, what are you reading? And I showed her and she goes, oh. And I was just like, why do I... Why do I have to feel judged by you, stranger, about my reading material? And it was it it was basically the moment that solidified my dislike of elevator talk. That you felt judged by her reaction to your light reading. Yeah. It's funny, I feel the opposite. I feel pressure. When I'm with somebody and there's silence, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Why? I don't know. What do you want to have happen? What do you think should happen? It just makes me... It's it's a really good question, and I don't have an answer. I don't know why I feel that way. But it's just like when, when I'm with somebody, especially like I used to dread long car rides because... This fucking guy. He's back. The ice cream the man Chalupa. is back. <laughs> You schedule him to come? <laughs> We've recorded it many different times here, and he's always here when we're recording. <laughs> he just knows he can hear us recording, and he's like, oh, better go walk down yeah. the street. Uh, yeah. Chilada? What do, you, what do you call it? I have never... We should have looked that up. The name. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, no, I used to... When I was a kid, I used to dread long car rides, because I used With who? To, your- uh, yeah, like people I didn't know very well. What long car rides did you have with people you didn't know very well? Well, this is actually a good segue into one of our topics, which is uh, I remember when I was a freshman in college, I had to go on a very long road trip with people in my fraternity. Okay. It was like a leadership, it was like the leadership team of the fraternity. We went to Tennessee and we had very long. And sitting in the front seat with the president of the fraternity, was like he was driving he was driving and it was terrible like sitting there and not talking yeah was so incredibly awkward were you in at that point yeah i was in the fraternity okay 
And it was, it's like, I remember that in several other instances through my life, like being in the front seat with somebody usually older and they're totally comfortable being, you know, they don't want to talk. Yeah. But for me, it was like extreme anxiety. But if you knew they didn't want to talk, then why was it uncomfortable I for you? No, it's weird. It's a weird thing. It's like I, silence makes me feel uncomfortable. When I know that, it's even easier. Yeah. When I know they don't want to talk. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. It's when I sense they do want to talk and they, I don't that I get really annoyed. Yeah. So probably my desire to talk was the thing making people uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> more so than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It, it, I've gotten over it for the most part, um, but I still do get. I mean, now I wouldn't give a shit, you know. But I still do get uh, that fear. It's weird, actually. You know, it's a, like or having a meal with somebody, and like the fear of that silence. I don't know. It's weird. But who would you be eating with that there would be silence? I don't know anybody i mean i remember eating with a boss in new york city we would always go to this restaurant in little italy and he loved this restaurant we would go there like once a week just me and him yeah and i was always real scared that we would just like sit there in silence and like not say anything to each what kind of what was your relationship with the boss though? it was good it was good I, I think it's maybe it's like a a fear of performing or something yeah. you know it's like i feel like i need it when i'm in these circumstances where there's somebody who has power over me or something. I feel like I need to perform. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have major authority problems. Yeah. So I don't want to interact with anyone that has authority over me because I'm resentful of it. And I hate having to act subservient to another human being just because one person happens to have a job that oversees a different one. It's very gross. And... I don't like it at all. I'll never go eat with my bosses. I'll if any bosses like, let's go have lunch. I'd be like, no, thanks. Because you don't want to have to play the employee role where you're extra nice. Yeah, my I will when I work. I if you come and tell me to do something, I'll do it because in that regard, I'm respectful of the chain of command. You know, I know that someone needs to manage somebody else. I know that that's how it has to be. But I hate the way that we've kind of made that outwardly go into having to be socially friendly and socially subservient to other human beings. That's not, I don't play that. You know, I don't, you're not better than me just because you have a job that oversees mine. That's, I'm not going to act that way. But yeah. That's the way you're kind of expected to act. Is particularly in Los Angeles and particularly, I think, in the United States. I think the the shittier an economy is, yeah. the more you see that. Yes. Like in Vietnam, which actually has a pretty healthy economy, and in um, Amsterdam, where I've lived in both those places, yeah. You that type of boss subservient thing is much weaker. Yeah. It's a much weaker relationship. And, yeah. and underlings are more encouraged to... There's not that hierarchical to the extreme that we have here. And I think maybe some people would disagree about Asia because there's a lot of saving face type stuff. But what I experienced, honestly, was the opposite of that, whereas that everybody was much more equal. And it didn't really matter like, oh, this person's the... If anything, the workers were kind of treated the bosses worse than the, than the bosses treated the workers. Yeah. 
Um, whereas here in LA, it's like there's this ultra hierarchy where like, but, you can't talk back to the to the boss. Right. But you were in a frat, which has that same structure, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you not I how did you not be resentful? Or are you not resentful of that like I am? Because I, I can't stand that as I've mentioned, authority issues. Me too. I'm terrible with authority. I mean, I'm really, yeah, you know, I have the same issues in job environments yeah. as you do. This, the fraternity that I was in was very harsh and it was very extreme. And Would, do you want to say what frat it was or no? Yeah, um, yeah. Why the hell not? It was Delta Tau Delta. Okay. I don't know anything about frats, so I don't know what yeah. their reputation is. I mean, honestly, if I was still a member of it or gave a shit about it, I probably wouldn't want to say that. But we got kicked off campus largely because the national fraternity wouldn't back us up. Mm-hmm. So I really have no loyalty to like the national fraternity at all because they kind of screwed us up. Why did you get what, what campus and why did you get kicked this off? This was at George Washington University. Okay. And uh, 2000. Man, this must have been like 2004. And uh, we were kind of the last bastion of that traditional party dude fraternity with the house. You know, we had our like a standalone house in the middle of campus. You mean last bastion at GW? GW. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because slowly but surely, all the bad fraternities had been kicked off. Mm -hmm. And some of them were still operating off campus, but we were the last, like, on-campus fraternity that was still sort of, like, party and really, like, uh, traditionally bad. Um, And we had this house, which is rare. Because that's, you know, Foggy Bottom in D.C. is a very, like, high real estate value place. So we had this kind of old-school frat house in the middle of this, like intense urban area and we you know had hell week we really got hazed really badly um how did you what was the hazing that you underwent all kinds of stuff i mean everything you've heard uh nothing you know there's there's all these legends of really bad stuff and it's nothing like that but um pretty intense things and a very abusive you know such as um you know we had to buy food for the older brothers we had to be on call any time of day we would have to do all kinds of weird bizarre events this was during pledging yeah and this was during my first semester of college yeah I remember one time during Hell Week being so like deprived of sleep that I literally fell out of my chair onto the ground in my logic class. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it was Hell Week was was by far the hardest. I mean, we did like a little bit of these crazy drinking events. We got we played Edward Forty Hands, which is you know where you tape forties to your hands and you have to drink both of them and you can't pee or you have to pee on yourself and everybody was just puking into this pool in the middle of the thing that's what got us kicked off campus yeah because somebody took a picture of all these pledges with 40s taped to their hands and uh the school got a hold of it it so why but why would the national fraternity organization 
why would you be mad at them for for not backing your friend? Because it's bullshit. They because hazing is the entire point. Like again, this is you know I, I truly believe this was very healthy for me in the long run. Why? Because I hate hazing. I think it's horrendous and it serves no purpose other than to redirect abuse that's been directed at you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, no, but, but it's very conscious of that. I mean, it's it's going to the extreme in this sense that you're talking about for the purpose of doing that. You know, it's like you it's kind of like breaking your breaking that fear of that or breaking that uh, the fear of what of control it's basically as you kind of said earlier subsuming you are giving somebody else total control over over yourself and you're pushed beyond the point where you can possibly think that you could go i mean during hell week we were sleeping in the basement on the ground in sleeping bags. This old, disgusting, rancid, you know, beer and mildew smelling basement. And where we had all our parties. And they played the same three Whitney Houston songs over and over and over again for the full week. And depending on how we were performing, it was either really loud or really soft. So I slept maybe eight hours in an entire week. You know, you'd, you'd sleep just like little bits at a time. And uh, they'd come home in the middle of the night. They'd make us fight each other. They would fight us. I had to fight my older brother in the fraternity. who was this crazy dude. I had to fight him with a left-hand boxing glove at three o'clock in the morning when he came home from the bars. And he was much bigger than me and had like a right-hand boxing glove. And, you know, I got the shit knocked out of me totally. Why? <laughs> and what planet would that be healthy considered? It's healthy because you go to an extreme. You you go so far beyond the point in which you feel comfortable and you survive it. You know, like I at that time I remember the scariest moment for me was I've never been good at running, right? Cuz I have asthma. Yeah. So I've always been really terrified of like running long distances. Like the mile day in growing up yeah. was always, like, I would be terrified to come into school because I was always last. Yeah. Like it would take me 15 minutes to like walk the mile. I had the same thing, but I was a chubby kid. So yeah. It was for different Where reasons. I was but... like skinny and just like couldn't breathe because yeah. I had terrible it's, it's asthma. The same, it's the same basic reason for not liking it. It's yeah. just different reasons why. Exactly. And I was so terrified of it. And so during Hell Week, after we weren't sleeping at all, they said to us, and every night it was a different, like, terrible thing we had to do, and no. we didn't know until, like, the night of. And we started to get rumblings that the event that night was a 15-mile run. And I was like, I was so scared because I was like, I can't run one mile yeah. like like how the fuck am i gonna run 15 miles like especially drinking and like totally out of my mind and i was so horrified because it was like how am i gonna do this thing i can't do but i did it you know like i started doing it and we were together it was like you know 15 20 of us dudes and we were all terrified and we fucking did it. And, you know, and I was actually not even the weakest link. We had to, one of our, the dudes like just kept trying to give up and we had to find a cart and like push him through the streets of DC. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, okay. So, and then, so another example that night, one of the things we had to do that night of the run, I forget what they called it. It had some silly name. 
And we were running till like six o'clock in the morning. And we had stops all through DC. And one of the things we did was stop at the terrorist steps, uh, which is, I don't know, you've, you've seen the movie The Terrorist? The, the Exorcist? The Exorcist. <laughs> the Terrorist. Yeah. I was like, I know The Exorcist steps. Yeah. The Exorcist steps. Yeah. And uh, so our, our uh, pledge leader, who was a insane like drill instructor type of guy, um, said, okay, you guys have to walk up and down these steps until you get it right. And that was the only instruction he gave us. <laughs> so the first thing we did was try and walk up and down the steps in total like unison, right? Like all together, completely choreographed. And he was like, no, you fucking idiots. That's not it. Blah, blah, blah. So then we spent, I don't know, maybe two hours there walking up and down these steps in different patterns, trying to figure out like the key so we could move on to the next thing. And finally, after trying a million things, we tried walking up and down again in perfect unison and that was it. <laughs> like that was the thing we had to do. Yeah. So you can see how abusive and crazy it is, but it pushes you beyond a point of having any rhyme or reason or power over a situation, right? There's no logic. There's no there's nothing you can do right. Is what is basically the thing. Yes. And going to that space and surviving is very has been very healthy for me in my life because before that I was the most control scared suburban spoiled only child kid in the world and being pushed beyond the limit in which I had any control or any entitlement was healthy and did you get recruited to be in that frat, or did you just decide you wanted to join it? Well, there was pledging, so there's a pledge process where that's, and I bet this is almost dead now. I mean, I, I think, like, this is really dying out. Um, but there's a time in the beginning, and it was already kind of dying then, that in the first, the fraternities have parties, yeah. And you go to them and you check, you meet the brothers and you figure out like, you know, who are these guys? Do we want them? And then I forget, they, if they want you, they call you like in the middle of the night and say like, come here. Yeah. And I got picked by like several of them, but this was the one that I wanted. Okay. For and what reason specifically? Or was there one? It was just like the coolest one that I had available to me. It wasn't the coolest one there. I mean, GW is like a super rich Jewish school. Yeah. Like it's almost everybody's like wealthy and Jewish. And the really cool fraternities were like the Jewish fraternities. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be in one of those. Um, and I really wasn't that type of guy. Um, even though I had a lot of good friends in those fraternities. But uh, so this was the one that just fit me the best. It was kind of like... And I loved the house, you know, I loved that we had this house that, cause you know, the, 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 the wealthier fraternities would have parties like at clubs and yeah. I didn't really, you had to pay a lot of money and stuff. Whereas this was like kind of the, the cheap schlub, you know, like this was like more of a state school-esque kind the of. The classic. This is more of exactly more frat of a house experience. Frat house. Yeah. I went to NYU and they didn't really have anything like that. They'd have, they had like floors of buildings yeah. that were theirs but I didn't get anywhere near any of those. The only, the closest I got was one of my roommates my freshman year was in a fraternity and he had some poor freshmen like with him for a week. Like, and I just looked at it. I was like, this is creepy. 
Like you're both ghouls. You for signing up for this and you for doing this to somebody else. It's very strange. I don't get it. I think people that join fraternities are weak. So did that description, though, I just gave to you, did that make it clear why it would be maybe good for somebody? I guess I I would be, I wouldn't want anything to do with it. I'd be like, you know, as soon as somebody said, you're going to sleep in this basement, like, go fuck yourself. I'm I'm not going to do that. It's just the end doesn't justify the means for me. There is no, there is no end. I mean, that's kind of the, it's not really that type of thinking. The end of being a part of this group, like, oh, I'm one of these guys. Like, I could give a shit. I don't think that that really is the end in the way that you're thinking about it. I, I can see from an outside perspective how it would look like that, how it looks like, oh, I'm going through this for the reward of being a part of it, right? But well, you're I, I also really going through it. it. You're also going through it to have it as part of, to say that you've done it. Like part of the reason to do it is to have done it. That's, you're going through it. It's kind of a rite of passage. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a rite of passage type thing. It's like, it's testing yourself. Right, I guess, but it's a fake test. It's just it's just cruelty that cooked up by, you know, people in their early twenties. It is a fake test. It's not like it's not like joining the army where the test is for the purpose of figuring out if you can take war. I want Navy SEALs to go through Hell Week because I want those guys. I want the guys out there to be tough (laughs) as shit. I don't think any of that stuff is inappropriate for the military. I'm like, all right, cool. You really want them to be able to slaughter those after. Afghanis really effectively. I, I, I want... I, if, if we're going to have a team of killers, I want them to be good at being that. I don't want anybody to be able to get through. For, for the purpose of other stuff, I'm, I don't get it. I understand. I would never... A, I don't have it in me to go through that. Somebody telling me to do stuff that's weird and creepy, I'd just be like, no, I'm not going to do that. And B, I don't have it in me to do that to somebody else. I just... I wouldn't want to inflict that on anybody. I've never been that guy. I think hazing is weird and creepy. I understand that. I never got to haze. That's the kind of fucked up part. What happened? Because we got kicked off. And so did you get disbanded? Yeah. Not recognized? It was really shitty because we went through this terrible thing. It cost a lot of money. I mean, like... It, it was a huge loss that we so got. So, what did off. you do after that? Did, were you still in the fraternity, so to speak, or technically, yeah? I mean, those were my friends. I the people that I pledged with, yeah, were <coughs> you know they they stayed my friends throughout uh, the time. But we had a really nasty relationship with the older brothers because they just hazed us, yeah, and then we never got to turn the page, and then be a part of the actual fraternity. So right. we just had this super hostile relationship with them that like ended. So you didn't get any of the benefit yeah, of being in the no, frat. No, it really Just sucked. the experience. But the experience I mean, was good enough for you to, for you to say that it was positive. Yeah, exactly. And and also, I mean, you know, there is being in a fraternity is like attractive to women. I don't know why that is, but you know, it's def- they definitely like Well, it's a certain to that. kind of woman, right? It's not all women. Sure. Hashtag. Yeah. Not all women. Hashtag not all women. I mean, I'm sure Gracie, my current girlfriend, would not like frat boys. I mean, she went to Sarah Lawrence, so there was definitely no frat boys. But uh, yeah, I think it does attract a certain type of women. However, I do think, and this is going to sound super douchey, but whatever. I do think it is something that is attractive to women. I just think some of them are so conceptually disgusted by it that they tell themselves that they don't like it 
but ultimately I think it gives you a much larger uh, pool of women to pick from because I think they kind of rebel against it, but it's a little bit like, you know, the, the nerdy girl in, in high school who ends up with the popular football player. Like, I think they deep down kind of want it, but they, they don't, you know, they tell themselves they don't because it's like, you know, they're grossed out by it. And right. Quotes. Because they read like the Rolling Stone article. Yeah. And they're like, these boys are, you know, what you fuck. Did you follow the drama about oh, the Rolling yeah. Stone article? Yeah, I did. I, I read um, uh, John Krakow. Oh, I love John Krakow. And I read his most recent book, Missoula, which is all about rape on college campuses. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hyper familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that was a, that was a very interesting failure of journalism across the board and so damaging uh to the cause that for which it was written it's so damaging you know to be in such a rush to get that article out there that you don't do the basic and to be so biased that you don't even call a single one of the people that actually don't exist right (laughs) that that you are about to ruin their lives. I mean, here's the empathy gap, right? Yeah. Everybody talks about empathy. It's like, I do have empathy for people who have undergone sexual assault, but I also have empathy for people who are about to have their lives ruined for a false accusation. I mean, you got to be able to have empathy for both those parties. Yeah. You know? And that woman who wrote it clearly just was so blind to, yeah. to the personhood she of was, one side, you she know? was writing with a goal in mind instead of writing a story. Yeah, because can you imagine if she'd written that story about this person that kind of spun this whole thing, and when she investigated, she pulled apart the threads and presented that story? What a great story! That would be Pulitzer. I, I mean, that would be so good. I, yeah, I would read that and and be really into it. But instead, it's like I'm going the the end point of what I'm going to write as a journalist is going to be this. Yeah, and I'm going to get you know however I get there, I'm going to get there, and that's really distressing. It's really distressing, and I mean, it, yeah, you you can I think. As a journalist who's written things like this, I always, you know, it's disingenuous to say that you don't start with a goal in mind. I mean, everything I write... Well, of course, yeah. You know, everything I write is... uh, You know, you always have a hypothesis... Right. ...that you're testing. Yeah. But if I'm wrong... You know, like, I used to be so anti-gentrification, right? Yeah. So everything that I wrote about gentrification, the goal originally was to be like, you know, rich people are bad, they're fucking over poor people. But what I actually found is that it's actually a pretty, it's actually a pretty two-sided issue, you know? And I, you know, as much as I wanted to frame one as bad, you know, you can't totally do that if it's not really true. Yeah. What's... How is the John Krakow book? I've not read it. I think it's very shrill and very... uh, He spends maybe three pages on people who have been falsely accused. And there are some horror stories. Maybe it's one chapter. There are some really, really nasty stories of people who, you know, black guys who uh, like slept with some woman in some, you know, sort of southern college town. And they, you know, they go to jail. You know, some of these guys go to jail for 10 years. 
So there's really bad horror stories the other way, but he is very one-sidedly for the victims in these cases. And um, I don't know. I just don't see it so black and white. I see it as a pretty complicated issue. Do you think, was your experience with the fraternity that that was something that would be more likely to happen in that kind of environment? I mean... You know, I wish I'd been in it for four years because then I could really give you a real answer, you know? Um, I know that there was a far, far less sex had than the TV would make you (laughs) think there was. It was a much rarer occurrence than you would think, you know? Um, it wasn't like every night brothers were coming home and like banging girls. It was actually pretty rare. And a lot of the dudes just had girlfriends. Like it was a much tamer existence in that sense. Um, we did have one of the brothers, the, one of my pledge brothers did get accused of, uh, date raping a girl though Mm -hmm. when I was there and I knew the girl and I knew the guy and I mean, who knows, right? Maybe he somehow procured some rohypnol or something and like put it in her drink, but it was not, it would be extremely, that was not an okay thing to do at all. Like that would not be acceptable in the farthest realm of possibility. Like it, it was. That was ultimately taboo. Nobody was... I mean, people would joke but, about... But could it have just girls. been... Not even that there was Rohypno on her drink. She just got too drunk. Yeah. And, and, took adva- and he took advantage of the situation. I mean, I think what was happening was she was dating another guy. Yeah. And she got too drunk and banged this other dude. Yeah. And it was no good, right? But <clears throat> I don't know if... You know, the, the the issue here is that we were always drunker than the girls, usually, uh-huh. you know, because we were, like, forced <laughs> to be drunker than them, you know? Uh, so it's tough to, you know, if both parties have autonomy and they're both equally wasted and then they end up having sex, why is, I'm not sure why the guy is to blame in that circumstance. If the, If both autonomies are severely impaired. Yeah. You know, it's real. Diff- it's a real difficult. I mean, I, one of the things that I, I is curious about the discussion about um, date rape on college campuses, especially, is why nobody proposes lowering the drinking age to eighteen, so we de yeah uh, mystify drinking. We don't make it a thing that you have to keep a secret. Yeah. I think that would go a long way towards somewhat fixing some of these issues. Absolutely. Because then you can yeah. have you can have more adult quote like real adult involvement in situations where people are drinking. And I think if we you know, I don't understand the twenty one cutoff for it doesn't make any sense to me. And I think that's a large part of that because there's a weird you're in college and half the time you're in college you can legally drink and the other half you can't. And that's really bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. Let's just lower, you know, 18 for pretty much everything else. I don't know why 21 is the magic number for alcohol. It's weird. I know. I know that's a common theme of yours. I mean, do you think that's really to blame for all of this? I think the... Because then then if you're saying that, aren't you then saying that really 
there isn't a rape epidemic. There's just I'm not alcohol. saying that there isn't a rape epidemic, but I'm saying that what's happening is a lot, and I'm not victim blaming, but what what ends up happening is the drinking that happens on college campuses gets driven underground and can't be out and open because the police are going to arrest you for drinking under the age or providing alcohol to somebody that's underage. So if we get rid of that police involvement in that aspect, we can probably have a safer environment in which to drink um, because we're not hiding it from authority figures. Authority figures saying, yeah, you can drink when you're 18. It's fine. And that way, there's, there's less desire to stay out of trouble because you're drinking inappropriately. And then you can have a more open environment about people drinking because those kids are drinking, you know, to pretend that they're not and pretend this arbitrary number is going to stop them from drinking is silly. It's all we're doing is we're, we're hiding it and we're making people that may make bad decisions, uh, making those bad decisions without easily being able to tell somebody that bad decisions are being made. Sure. No, I mean, I think that's absolutely right. And that probably would go a long way. You do not really hear of this happening in Europe so much. Yeah. It's, it doesn't seem like they have well, this. And I don't know thing. much about their college, their university structure there. I don't know, you know, if, if it's even comparable to the United States. Yeah. But the drinking stigma is just so different. different. Yeah. yeah. It's not done in this unhealthy. Because the other part is, is, you know, if you're not legally allowed to drink, you can't go to a liquor store and buy alcohol. You're only going to drink in these environments where there's a lot of it happening instead of it just being more spread out. You know, you can't go to a bar because you're under the age of 21. Uh, but that's a place where you go to meet people and hang out. And maybe if you go to the bar more often, you don't go to these parties that are underground where you get alcohol and have too much and then end up making bad decisions and end up being around other people making bad decisions. I, I just think it's, I think we're creating not all of the problem, but a lot of the problem is being created by our bizarre relationship with alcohol. Do you think that there's an increased sensitivity about these things or that the definition of rape has been sort of changed recently at all? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't I don't know that this the definition of of rape per se has changed cuz I don't know the statistics I don't know any of that information. I think there's an increased sensitivity towards kind of uh more questionably consensual things. I think a lot of those are being put more in the rape column than used to be, which I I think is good. You know. I think that's more what it's about. Why do you think that's good? Well, if you're going to have sex with somebody, it shouldn't be because you were pressured to. You can still, quote-unquote, consent to sex, but you may feel pressure of the moment to do so, or you may decide to have sex with somebody under the influence of alcohol when you wouldn't ha have under other circumstances. And if somebody is... Uh, if you're intoxicated and you're in a situation when you're alone with somebody and somebody's really pressuring you to have sex and you say oh all right because you're drunk that's not rape but that's not 100 percent consensual either that gets into a very iffy ground like i would never 
if I was in a circumstance where the other person was intoxicated beyond buzzed, I'm not going home with them and they're not coming home with me. I don't even want to deal with that shit. But what if you are really intoxicated? I don't, my behavior when I'm intoxicated tells me that I don't want to be making decisions like that when I'm intoxicated. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, imagine you're in that circumstance and you are also really intoxicated. So you're this decision making that you have now where you can say, oh, now I really know this is a bad idea. Yeah. What if you you're also really drunk? So you don't have that on the table. That's what I mean. I don't want to I don't want to be in those circumstances. I don't want to do that. And that's why I don't trust the decision making of somebody that's that far under the influence of alcohol it's very you know you do stuff that you wouldn't do under a sober mind okay fine but if when you're drunk enough if you do something that you wanted to do when you're drunk or at least didn't want to say no to when you were drunk not because you had a gun to your head, but just because you were wasted. And when you're wasted, you make different decisions, right? Right. And then the next morning you wake up and say, fuck, that was a terrible decision. Yeah. Should that be stigmatized as rape? No. In that specific circumstance. Well, it depends on what happened and how it happened. Yeah. Like, it's not a blanket... It's not a a blanket thing. Yeah. It could be one way. It could be another way. All right. Well, let me give you some examples. These are from Missoula. Okay. So, okay. I'll give you the, the, the ease, the softball first. Uh, You're best friends with a guy who's a big popular football player. He comes over and, uh, or no, you go to his party. And you're you're really drunk, and you wake up in the middle of the night, and he's on you and having sex with you. Or do you want to be the guy in these or the girl in these? <laughs> Let's, Let's say girl. Let's say you're the. You're Let's the say girl. I'm I'm the perspective of a of the of the, the girl. Yeah, of the girl. Even though I'm not a woman, so it's. But go ahead. You get up and tell him to get off you and like run run away. Is that rape? What was the? Is this all I know? Uh, what other details do you want? Well, did did she consent to it initially? And then, no, and no. then when you never consent, consent to it, you, was she passed never, out? She the was whole passed time? out, and she woke up with him having sex. That's with her. yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, okay, I would agree with you there. Yeah. That's a pretty severe example. Yeah. So, what do you think the punishment for a guy who does that? Even though they were best friends and whatever, you know, what do you think the punishment? Well, still, it doesn't matter if you're best friends. If you fuck somebody that's unconscious, you're raping them. Yeah. They didn't give you express consent. Yeah. So you should be char- brought up with rape charges. I don't know what the, the legal uh, differentiations is. of different kinds of rape are. Yeah. But you should be brought up on rape charges. Sorry. Don't fuck people when they're unconscious. Yeah. That's and a good there's rule something, of thumb. There's something sinister. And there's a element of true criminality in that yes right 100 percent. you know and i so i agree with that that was the case that most of the book centralized on yeah. and i was in agreement with him there that that was fucking bad yeah on the other hand do you think though it turned into this nightmare 
for everybody involved, right? It turned into a total, you know, the, the everybody protected the guy because he was a big football player, which was really fucked up. And then people went after the girl saying that she enticed him into it. He yeah. like apologized, but then didn't apologize. It turned into a total nightmare. Do you think that the nightmare, if there's no, I guess this is the, the thing I have a hard time conceptualizing as a straight male. If there's no, if I was raped, right, by a woman, not a man, but if I was raped by a woman and there was no damage to me, it's d- difficult for me to understand why that's so emotionally damaging to make it worth this insane amount of stuff. What do you, but that's not a, a crime is not judged on how emotionally damaging it is or it isn't. That's not. Okay, you're just saying it's a crime, and a crime is a crime, and and that should be the end of it. Well, when I got mugged, it wasn't emotionally damaging. I was a little, a little PTSD afterwards about walking around at night, and that went away. But they didn't hurt me, and they didn't take my wallet after I asked them not to. And overall, Did they take anything. They took my phone. All they wanted was my iPhone. Well, but so there's still, you see, there's still a. Um physical loss but what yes but aside but but that's not what the point i'm making the point i'm making is they did something that's against the law they uh robbed me using force or fear yeah fear of my life which is the definition of assault yeah so we can't number one just because hypothetically you don't think a woman raping you would be emotionally damaging which by the way you don't know because what if she uh, I'm sure I've been by the by the legal definition. Let's say, I've definitely been raped. Let's by say a woman, one hundred percent. Let's say a woman overpowered you. Okay, well, okay, not that a but. woman using force overpowered you. Yeah, and then uh, assaulted you and raped you. Or let's say that uh, you were on a date with a woman and you got too drunk and you passed out and she put on a strap on and fucked you in the ass and you woke up during that. That is that do you think that might be damaging? Well, see, here's the the ass fucking makes it slightly different, right? Because that probably is the best way for me to understand it. But the reason I'm avoiding that right now is because I'm trying to show my male uh the difficulty that some men have I, look, I agree with everything you're saying right now. I'm playing devil's advocate yeah, because I get it. I'm trying to. I'm no, trying to, to. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm trying to illustrate the difficulty some men have in understanding the female perspective in these circumstances. Because for us, we want sex really bad. Yeah. You know, so we kind of assume that if you are a straight female, you also want sex. You want sex, right? But I you mean, don't. But. And if, let's say a woman that you're completely not attracted to uh, came up to you and was like, hey, let's have sex. You're not attracted to her at all. You have no, there's nothing about her that you want to have sex with. Would you have sex with her? Not if, 
No, I wouldn't have sex with her. Why? But if I woke because I just don't want to, right? Okay, but that's an important part of it, right? Well, but see, you now don't you're want- getting into a hairy area because now, because okay, so think about it this way: that same woman that I don't want to have sex with, I get really wasted. I wake up to her giving me a blowjob, right? Okay, and then we have sex, and I don't really want to, but then I wake up the next morning, and I said no, but then she just kept going, right? Yeah, that's happened to me. Definitely. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> That's not right. But I don't, I haven't spent the rest of my life thinking I'm a victim and being like, oh, I have had this terrible thing happen. Like, I don't care. It makes no difference to me. It was a fucked up thing. I told my friends about it and moved on. It was like, had zero emotional impact on me. If anything, it made me, it was kind of funny. So that's why. But that's your experience. That's my experience. And I totally understand that it is not the same for women at all. I get that. But it's just like... What if she had a disgusting, like... (coughs) What if she had a disgusting, like, warty mouth that stank? (laughs) Yeah, I I get all these things. What if she had this odor that you associated with her for the rest of your life and just always grossed out? I think I actually have... I can't remember right now, but I think that I've had that, actually. What if if you woke up and she had her disgusting cooter... Like like on my face Up in your face, and there's problems with it, and it stinks, and it's all fucked up. Like, there's a lot of things... That's kind of scary to think about, but, but all all that said, all that is fine, but you're at, you see that you are adding things on to the scenario to help me understand, but, and you're not wrong to do that, but the pure, here's the problem is that the pure facts of one thing happening to a straight man via a straight woman and the pure facts of it happening in the in the vice versa scenario, depending on sex, you have a completely different. What do you mean, depending outcome. on sex? But that's not. So the-, the the issue here is that laws are sex are a sexual. They are a they they have to be written so that they aren't the same for men and women. Mm-hmm. Actually, they don't have to be, but usually they are. Um. And the fact of the matter is, in one circumstance, be just because of the nature of men, and in one circumstance because of the nature of women, you're talking about violations, weirdly, in the female sense, that in the male sense, if you just have the exact same facts, they really aren't... They're not as bad in a general sense, you know? They're they're not so bad. I mean, even if take all of these things you're adding on, even if it's a disgusting woman, even if it's all this shit, and I, even if she's like fingering my asshole, and I wake up and she's fingering my asshole, or even if she's like you know trying to bang me with a strap on. I mean, I'd probably wake up if that was happening, but it's still kind of funny. I mean, it's still kind of like, it's still a kind of funny story that I would tell my friends and be like, what the fuck was that? And it really, I really don't think it would have any long-term emotional damage. I don't, I don't know that you can assume that. True. I mean, you're right. Maybe it would be terribly traumatic and I would have no idea. But like I said, I've had similar situations not to the extremes that you're putting them into but i've definitely not consented to a lot of touching that has happened and 
I just think because I'm a guy, I just don't, it's not as violating. Like, it's just not the same kind of like violation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get the point that you're making and I don't, and I don't know that you're a hundred percent wrong. I don't know that. Yeah. But I also don't want to assume how everyone's going to feel about it. Like the, the, yeah. the fact of the matter is that you should never be in a circumstance. And I think this is a general where you're forced to do something uh, with another person that you don't want to do. And Absolutely. And no, I, totally. I yeah. mean, if we're talking about actual, I see, okay, now I'm going to get in trouble for just saying actual. If we're talking about forced rape, where somebody p- tackles you in an alley, and, you know, that is utterly reprehensible in every single way. I think we're talking about date rape here, though. We're, we're talking about circumstances of unconsciousness, inebriation, you know, when you don't know quite what's happening. We're not talking about the the issue here is one of force. We don't know how much force is necessarily happening in each of these events. Yeah. You know? Well yeah, there's there's definitely you know, if two people are very drunk and they go out and then they go home, there's definitely the chance that uh the next morning they both one or the other doesn't uh, one or the other realizes they wouldn't have given consent if they were sober. Yeah. And I don't think somebody, if a girl agrees to have sex with you and she's, you know, drunk, but not unconscious drunk, she's drunk, she, you can't withdraw the consent the next day and then claim it was rape. Yeah. I don't think that's right. So. All right. So let me give you another, let me give you a couple more examples. So another one from the book was a freshman guy is walking home from the bars. Okay. He encounters a a girl and her friend um, in front of the dorm. And the girl is talking about how she wants to get laid. She's saying, I just want to get laid. It's like she was coming off some bad thing that happened with some guy. And she's like, I just want to fuck. Right. The guy hears this and he's like a freshman, kind of an awkward dude and says like, oh, well, like I'll hang out with you. And she says, okay, let's go upstairs. She goes upstairs on the way in her mind. She decides, okay, I obviously don't actually want to have sex with this guy. They hook up. He, she, they're hooking up for a while. She says, oh no, I don't want to do this. Right. Then they start kissing again, gets a little bit hot and heavy. He starts fingering her all good. And then he kind of like, like uh, maneuvers himself in such a way to like uh, kind of put his penis near her mouth and she gives him head. They fall asleep. Uh, she wakes up and the like bed is all bloody. Right. And he's gone. She cr- starts sobbing, tells her roommate she's been raped. Is that rape? Well, what was the blood from? I think just he was like, uh, he was like very awkward and very unsexually uh, <clears throat> experienced. So he was like fingering, I think maybe too hard. What was the, what was the outcome of the rape kit and exam and everything? I mean, there was no semen or anything, right? I mean, so they didn't have sex. They didn't, there was no 
penile sex. Well, that gets into oral sex. Gets so into, is that rape? Well, that gets into an iffy area because she withdrew consent verbally. But she withdrew consent verbally, but then they started again uh, fooling around. So, but what did she say at that point? What, what was I don't think she said again? anything. I, I don't think there was any verbal. I mean, that's when thing. you get into that that fucked up thing because there's if someone has withdrawn verbal consent, it's time to book it. It's time to say see ya. Like I understand that yes, that is true. Yes. But if you are a wasted eighteen year old freshman right. who's super excited about getting laid, right. I mean, what's the real practicality that you're gonna not give it another shot and try and be like, okay, well let's you know, let's see what happens. Yeah, it's very it's very iffy. So what do you think? Rape or not rape for that one? I mean, without knowing more detail, I mean, the problem is that she withdrew her verbal consent and did not give it again, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing that it would hinge upon is if that's, you know, if she says, I would, I said no. And then he kept kissing me. I mean, you get into that zone. It's like, well, you know, what's, what's the defense? But if you say no, and then, you know, you take a break which is what happened, and then he starts kissing you, you start kissing again, and you are reciprocating what's going on, and you're but is saying, like, but you that, know, and he the, starts fingering you, and you're into it, is that, I mean, how how is that not a re- but the problem is of consent. the problem is that it's not verbally expressed. So the argument on on her side becomes that she was doing it because he was making her do it, and she, and he wouldn't leave when she said no. And now she's in a position where she's doing this stuff not because she wants to, but because he wants her to, because she didn't say we can have sex again. That's the hinge on it. But isn't that somewhat? I mean, that's a little bit silly to think that every time you are re... I mean, can't consent be very obviously implied by the actions of somebody that you're... I th- well, uh, the problem is that you get into that zone of, yes, in circumstances where you're dating somebody in a relationship with them, then consent is going to be implied in how you're around each other. But when you're with a stranger, you know, it gets tougher. Because you don't know that that your approach is wanted or consented to. You don't actually have that knowledge. Like if you're married to somebody and, you know, you're making out, it's your longtime girlfriend or somebody you've been on a few dates with at least. You at least know like, you know, this is this is consensual. I have got a pretty good idea. But when it's a stranger, if, if indeed it's a stranger off the street they've never met before, you know, you don't really have that guarantee. All right, so let me give you another example. Let's say there's two guys. Okay. Two guys together. Yes. And they're making out. The guys want each other, clearly. Okay. Or, or you know, the, the, the guy A, there's guy A, guy B. Okay. <laughs> guy B, you know, they're making out. I mean, they're, they're here, they're hooking up because they want to be there hooking up with each other. Yes. Right? Guy A is super horny. Guy B is maybe less experienced. I don't know. I don't know why guy Guy B is more apprehensive than Guy A. Right. Guy A says, "Come on, give me head." Yeah. And Guy B says, "No, I don't want to do that." Okay. They hook up more, hook up more, more, more. Guy A says, 
come on, like, give just just kiss it. Yeah. Guy B says, nah, nah, I don't want to. Hook up more, hook up more, hook up more. Guy B. Sounds like a joke. Guy A says, <laughs> guy says come on, like, I'm so horny, like, you know, just like, please. Guy B goes, okay, and, and gives him head. Is that rape? No, because he consented to do it. Yeah, so... I mean, how is that any different than the circumstance that we just... Because he said, okay. Okay, okay. It's the verbal the verbal thing. Yes. Okay, so imagine he doesn't say okay. Imagine he doesn't say okay. Imagine he just does it. Is that rape now? See, without the verbal consent, it becomes... It's, it, all, it all hinges on that. That's that, very important, too, is that verbal... The verbal I consent. think that's important to the legal system. Yeah. I think that's who it's important to, and therefore, that's how it has to be important. I, I, listen, but in that circumstance, do you think guy A deserves to go to jail for being a rapist? I don't... It, it, it's very difficult for me to say yes to that i don't really see that as being a rape yeah no i don't either and I, that and that's the tough part about but this. the problem is is that you know we're it's just a circumstance where you have to get a verbally consenting you know that's what it is and you know that's that's just that's just the way you have to hinge it because that's what's gonna be important is if somebody says yes i want to have sex with you you why know. do you think this isn't a issue in the gay community? Or maybe it is. I just don't know. But why you don't really hear about it? Because men are direct yeah. about what they want to do. Yeah. In ways that, and this is generalization, in ways that women aren't about sex, especially, women are not direct about their desire to or not have sex. So it's it just this is a different thing. And the other thing is that. Because men are direct about sex, it's men, gay men, again, there's rape in the gay community, of course, but gay men don't feel like this person is going to be their one shot at sex. You know, there's it's, not as much of a trophy. If somebody trophy doesn't want to have sex, like, yeah, All right, yeah, I, yeah, I can easily yeah, yeah, yeah. fire up grinder and no, find I, somebody. I, for sure. And I think that's a big part of what freaks people out, especially people like John Krakauer and people who are outside of that type of mentality of. You know, they call it the hunting ground, right? It, yeah. there's this, I watched the documentary. Yeah, I haven't seen the documentary. Um, but, you know, and that is something that really is true. Yeah. There is an extreme pressure not to have sex because sex is pleasurable. Right. You know, like the, all the sex I had in college lasted, you know, a minute probably or less. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But... Yeah. Much happier jerking off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it wasn't for the pleasure <laughs> Much of it. more You pleasant. know, I didn't even know what that was going yeah. on. Oh, this was nice. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it's it completely based on self-confidence. And it's totally about proving, you know, through this this conquest that I am a, a man or a, a You know, there's a there's a thing. There's and I, a, but I don't think there's anything There's a term for that. What? That we'll be discussing in the future. What? That's that's called toxic masculinity. Ah, yes. Oh, I don't know if it's toxic. I think it's just. I think it's just masculinity. I mean, I. I think that's. Just well, we'll get. We'll get into that. Thing. We'll get into yeah, it later. Yeah. We um, have. We're all ready. Anyway, for that. all right. Let me give you one more. Let me give you two more or one more counterfactual. Okay. Um. All right. I'll give you two more. Are we out of time? No. 
I mean, we're at an hour. Okay, so we'll we'll finish this up. Imagine captain of the football team, really popular guy. Like the 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 eye of the whole city's. Uh, they love this guy because he's like this great football player. Girl that he has like kind of been interested in. They've like made out a couple times, but he's clearly not like really interested in her beyond just like a sexual thing. She, however, thinks that he's like a good friend of hers, but they make out sometimes. She picks him up from somewhere late at night. He's drunk. She's not drunk. He's really drunk. They start fooling around. Um, and they're making out blah blah blah. He says, I'm gonna like bang you or something. And she goes, No, I don't want that. They start fooling around more and they start having sex. And then she decides, after they've already started having sex, no, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And says, No. He like keeps having sex with her until it's over and and that's it is that rape she well she withdrew consent so it's an obvious the answer is obviously yes but if she withdrew consent halfway th- or not halfway i don't even know how much after sex was already happening so is that what do you think about that if she withdrew consent and he stopped that's not a rape but if somebody withdraws consent and and you continue fucking them, yeah. then you're having sex with them against their will. Yeah. That's been verbally expressed. So that's sorry, that's rape. So it's not problematic to you that it was already happening. No. Okay. Because you might decide because here's the thing that might happen. Somebody might be having sex and you have uh A, you stop being drunk. You sober up. And you go, oh my God, I don't want to do this. Or B, they're doing, they're being too hard and too rough. And that's not what you signed up for. Um, there's a whole bunch of circumstances that may make you decide that you don't want to have sex with this person. Uh, so as soon as, as soon as somebody says, stop having sex with me, you have to have, stop having sex with them. Yeah. All right. No, yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a kind of ambiguous one. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's pretty tough in that circumstance well, yeah. to just like say, okay, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm off. You know, it's like kind of hard to do that. But I mean, I, you know, I don't think, I don't know. If somebody says no, then you've got to, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got to stop. Yeah. yeah. All right. So last one, last, last, uh, last counterfactual or factual. This should be a segment called uh, the rape decider. Yeah. <laughs> the rape decider. And I'm, I'm going to adjudicate your, your rapes. Yeah. Or lack thereof. Yeah. So, girl goes to little sister's frat party, right? Okay. Maybe you you know where I'm going with this. Okay. Go girl. No, older sister goes to younger sister's like frat. Actual event. sister. Actual sister. Okay. And she's out of school, so she's like, whatever. I'll just go hang out with my little sister. But I'm 22. She? I'm 22. Oh, okay. or I'm 23. All right. But I'm an adult, but I'm, you know, bored at home. So I'm just going to go hang out with my little sister and just like see what happens. Yeah. She gets blackout drunk. Older sister gets blackout drunk. And she's making out with this guy, uh, <coughs> 18 year old freshman, five years younger than her. Yeah. She's making out with him uh, on the dance floor. 
Next thing you know, they're outside on the ground. The girl is passed out, unconscious. The guy is on top of her, fingering her, right? And two people come along and say, what the hell are you doing? I heard about this one. What the hell are you doing? And the guy runs away. Uh, Is that rape? How long was she passed out the whole... We don't know. Nobody knows. You know, that's when the... Because she was passed out, so she can't say. The guy was completely also black out, although he was obviously conscious. But he says they were... His story is that they were making out, and then she started fingering him, and then he realized she was passed out, and then he ran, right? Obviously, him running is pretty fucking stupid, if that was the truth. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about that one? I don't know, man. Because it, it all depends on when... When she when she passed out, yeah. exactly. That's that's what it is. Yeah, I can't be you know without the details of when that happened. You can't make a blanket judgment, even well, though the internet has decided. The to. internet has decided that that guy is a terrible rapist, yeah. right? Yeah. But to me, if you actually think about the facts, there, you're right. There's a huge, there's a huge missing piece of information here, which is like. If he thought she was totally there with him and they were like going at it and then he looks down and it's like, oh, fuck, she knocked I out. didn't even realize this. Then, you know, he's not so culpable. Yeah. If he drug dragged her out there while she's slobbering and passed out and like she falls on the ground and then he starts going at it, then he's a terrible person, yeah. you know, and how the hell do you know, you know, which is the truth. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's not it's not an issue without a lot of. You know. A lot of pieces to it. Yeah. But yeah, without that information, you can't say. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not making that decision. Yeah. Christ almighty. Yeah, I know. Deadly. I know. Well, I think that's why the judge, you know, gave him a break, I think, because it was, you know, it's kind of unclear exactly what happened. Well, again, but, uh, back to my original point, if we would lower the drinking age, yeah, I think we would not eliminate all these, but we would see a lot more... Uh, capable adult supervision yeah because then you could have adults involved and and keeping an eye on kids instead of this fucking hidden shit yeah. you know they're drinking we, we stop pretending like they're not yeah they're all drinking so let's just accept that fact and move forward and yeah. and, and, and hopefully ameliorate some of this issue that's the that's solution. solution that's truck's solution Lower the drinking age. To the rape epidemic or whatever it is. Yes.